Hi, and welcome to the Cultural Professionals podcast, which is obviously a podcast for cultural professionals wanting to talk about the realities of working in the cultural sector. My name's Keith Jeffrey. I led cultural organisations and programmes for over 30 years, and now I use that experience to help cultural professionals become more confident leaders and managers so they can achieve the impact they dream of. Culture is a tough business and there are so few opportunities where you can talk about and reflect on being a cultural professional, which is why I've created this podcast and associated Facebook group, because I believe cultural professionals should be allowed to thrive and not just survive. But that doesn't happen by accident. One way of building resilience is by sharing our experiences. In these podcasts, we'll be meeting a range of cultural professionals who hold leadership roles in different art forms and in different contexts, and they're all at different stages of their career. I hope you can use our conversations to reflect on your situation. And if you wish to talk further, message me at LinkedIn or join the Facebook group. Facebook group, it's not just me, is it? I don't want any cultural professional to think that they're on their own. There is help out there if and when you need it. And if you want to be a guest on this podcast, I'd love to hear from you. Uh, Today, I'm delighted to introduce Lauren Nicole Witter, Artistic Director of Anansi Theatre. Lauren, why why don't you start off by telling us who you are and what you do? Oh, thank you for having me. Um, I suppose I do a lot, so I'll try and make it as brief as possible. Um, So I am a physical theatre artist um, and I quit my own solo work. Um, I'm a clown and I teach people how to be clowns. I do a lot of workshops around the community, especially in the East Midlands. So I work with different community groups, refugees, making the arts accessible. So there's like two strands to my solo work. It's performance-based and also um, community-based, getting the arts um, where I feel like the arts need to be. The other strand of that is that I am an artistic director of a theatre company, of a Nancy theatre company. This is a theatre company run by and for women of colour. So tell, tell us about the work of a Nancy. What, what sort of things have you done in the past and what have you got coming up? Um, so with a Nancy, we have, when we started in 2021, things started happening really quickly. So we got a commission by the Wordsworth Trust to create our version of the Mossfoot Challenge, which was fantastic. So that's happening at um, the Wordsworth Trust at the moment. There is an exhibition on where our film is being shown, which is great. We are associate company of Derby Theatre. We have just completed our first R&D, which was in May, which was looking at the children's version of the Nancy Spider story. We have also put on some free drama club workshops back in March, where we got funding for. And now we're going to do that again. So that programme before was only for four weeks. This programme we've got again is again for free, this time just for girls and young young women of colour. And it's going to be for 12 weeks. So for the whole autumn term, we're going to put on a drama club for free for this demographic. We're putting in another Arts Council bid to do the adult version of what we did in May, working with refugee groups, working with different um, women from different backgrounds, 
and that is really exciting. So that's going to be broken up into two. We're going to do um, a version of that in Stockton at Ark. And then in the spring, we're going to bring it to Derby. So we're really looking at how we can create those communities and connect those people. In summer, we're hoping to do a festival, which is fantastic. And also, we are doing some work with Derby libraries and doing little storytelling sessions um, in summer and in half term and holidays. So why did you think it was important to create Anansi? Well, I created Anansi because at that point, it felt like a lot of venues and a lot of companies were throwing out really fantastic statements about how diverse they were or how they're going to do better. And I was like, great, I'm for it. Woo! Um, but then the action didn't match up with what they were saying. And... I was getting really frustrated and also it felt like I was still the only person who looked like me in creative spaces and that's been my experience from being a kid and that's also the experience of a lot of people who we have the participants who we've worked with they've said that they love drama they love going to youth theatre but they're only they're the only black kid there the only woman of colour there and I was like no let's let's change this representation matters let's do something about it and that's why I created Anansi and I also want Anansi to be different from how theatre companies work like I want to leave with compassion I want to leave with safe spaces and it's important that we kind of go away from the norm because I don't think it works especially for people of the global majority, especially for women, it doesn't work how it's been done. So I want to do something different. What, what do you mean when you say it doesn't work? There's kind of, it seems like there's this unwritten competition, you know, either it, and, it's the way the system works, the sector works, really. Like, we're always fighting for space. We're always fighting for money. We're always fighting for resources. Um, and there's a lot of, like, struggle, I think. And especially in terms of leadership and how a company works, like that hierarchy, which I understand to some extent there has to be somebody who, you know, makes those decisions. But, for example, with Anansi, we've got an advisory board now. We've got somebody who is our mental health champion. And we're putting those systems in place to really make sure that we are staying true to our values and what we want to achieve. And I think sometimes because of that, oh, we need money, we need to get this bid in, we need to write this application, we need to, we, we forget about, why we created in the first place and what our values were. Yeah, it's easy to end up with mission drift just because you need to have the next grant come along and when you go chasing money, that's when that happens, you know, and you, um, one, one of the things I often talk about is 
red ocean, blue ocean, if you, which is this idea of in a red ocean, you are uh, in a very competitive field. You sort of look like a lot of other organizations, and therefore it's difficult for investment to come your way because you are fighting everybody else. But if you are in a blue ocean, which is where you are clearly different to everybody else, people are more likely to come to you. The, the, the investment is therefore attractive because they clearly that organization clearly solves that problem. Therefore, we are going to invest in them. And then it becomes a lot, a lot easier. Mm. Um, and it's so I, I think there's a something the sector needs to reflect on about that, actually. But, yeah, definitely. And that was sorry, go on. I was just gonna say that was something I was worried about when I was making the program for our free drama workshops. I spoke to a lot of people and I got a lot of advice about what the offer was. Yeah. And people said to me, Lauren, why are you not just doing it for girls and young women of colour? That's what Anansi is about. Why yeah. are you trying to cater to everyone? And I thought, why am I trying to cater to everyone? Yeah. Yes. What is special about what Anansi brings completely? So, yeah. Now, tell us about your origin story. I'm always interested in, like, why people end up in this, like, lunatic world, because it is mm. not uh, a pathway to fame and fortune, usually. Oh, uh, gosh. So, so what was that a spark? What, what was the thing that really got you interested in culture? Well, we have to start from the beginning, and it might get a bit deep. Is that okay if, yeah, we, yeah, bit, yeah. if, if we go there? Um, so from the beginning, I was born in Sheffield, but I grew up in Long Eaton, which is in between Nottingham and Derby. Super white town, super yeah. white town. And I was the only black kid in my school for a long time, and that has its own, you know, issues and trauma, etc. Um, but I loved theatre, I loved drama, and every school play, every performance, I would be a part of it. And that was my my thing yeah. I don't think I was very academic at school either and then growing up like doing GCSE doing drama again at GCSE often texts and plays we would look at and even in English texts um books we would look at often looked at the black experience from a white perspective and I didn't realize that at the time okay. but there was a lot of things what I learned what just didn't resonate with me so then I did performing arts at a level and again we were looking at kind of you know we looked at all like Brett Stanislavski you know all those things but what really blew my mind was when I went to university and I was like what there are black playwrights what is going on James Baldwin August Wilson who are these people and that's what I was like okay I actually did my dissertation on African-American um, characterization because I just couldn't believe like there are people who have experiences of me like Debbie Tucker Green like I just found out all these amazing playwrights of color and I just was like okay also at that time I discovered I went away from kind of Western characterization, if you like. So we looked at Buto, looked at um, Grotowski and that method. And 
really started to look at physical theatre and I really started to enjoy that. And I looked at characterization of, of lots of different things. And that also sparked like the kind of African storytelling interest in me. And that's where I really well. And then after university, because I was going to be a star and be famous and forget Long Eaton, I moved to London. But obviously London was very, very hard. And I was doing a course which I hated. And that's where, you know, I had a lot of mental health, um, a lot of mental health situations, which were really, really quite hard. So I moved back to the East Midlands. And then I created a play, Mental, about my mental health. Um, and I performed it in loads of different places. Um, and then I started to develop more about mental health and the way of African storytelling and the way of movement and clown. And I started doing clowning with lots of different people. Um, and I love, I love play. I love that. And I realized that why don't we clown more? So I started doing clowning workshops and just really exploring my practice really and then I created a show called Othello Sister which is based around my heritage again using movement as a way in and that kind of African storytelling way in and then Othello Sister was fantastic and it's we're hopefully putting a bid in again to do some more work on it and Actually, um, W Museums are thinking about putting it on there, which is great because it's all about history. It's all about who gets to tell those stories. And that's really, really important. Um, and then after that, the pandemic happened. And um, there was no money anywhere. I was doing stuff online, which was really strange. And then George Floyd was murdered. And it was like, wow, all these big things are happening. Like, how are we supporting ourselves during this period? Because it was quite traumatic. And I think we're still feeling the repercussions of the pandemic today, still. It's hard to get back into that swing of things. Um, and we're like, okay, right. So if we're going to be about it, how are we going to be about it? And I had, a, I had a lot of discussions, a lot of meetings, and yeah, and Nancy was born from okay. that. Fantastic. So what's it like for you as a cultural professional working uh, now? What 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 what's what's happening? What what are you seeing? What are you feeling? Again, I'm seeing a lot of people talk a big game, but where's the action? Um I'm currently with a core artist with a limited theatre company. And one of the things that really attracted to me, attracted me to that company was that they spoke a big game and they had the action to back it up. So what I'm seeing is a lot of, oh yeah, we can do this. We can provide you with that. But where's the action? Like what are you actually putting in place? Where's the access? And where are the barriers? And who are those people making those decisions? And are you speaking to those people who you want to interact with to make those decisions? So there needs to be a real structure change, I think. Um, and again, unfortunately, it is about money. It's about space. It is about resources. It is about what sells tickets, isn't it? It is about what gets the main audience in. But I think to some extent, 
that doesn't work. It just doesn't work anymore. And people want more. People need more and expect more of their cultural leaders and their cultural venues and cultural places. That's interesting. When that, what is behind? Do you think that talking a big game and then failing to deliver? I think. Mm, I I can't speak for everything. I mean, maybe there are things in place where things really, really want to happen, but because of money and time they've not been able to or things have been cancelled or whatever but I think as well especially with Let's Create um, with the Arts Council I think there's that extra pressure to make things look a certain way but not necessarily be a certain way does that make sense? Yeah can you expand on that a bit? I think a lot of it's tick box ticking right Okay. Um, and a lot of it, in, and there are some brilliant people. I don't want to, you know, diss the whole cultural industry because there are some really fantastic people really doing the work and, you know, really being courageous in that. But I think as well, there are some places and some companies and venues that it is just let's look like we're doing the work, especially, for example, working with a certain community. You work with that community for, I don't know, five weeks. What is happening after that? Like, where's that Where's that follow-through with that community? Do you know what I mean? Yeah, I do. And so I do wonder whether um, expectations are being laid on cultural organisations to keep on delivering more. I've just... I worked with an organisation on their MPO application and it was like, my God, what a, this is nuts. The, the level of delivery, which isn't to do with just putting on a great show or delivering the, the art, mm. was, was, was astonishing. So I, I, I wonder if that is driving that because you, are, you do have to talk that particular language to get the funding to sustain your core activity. And your core activity might still be important, but isn't necessarily addressing the issues that, that you've just been talking about. Yeah, I really think there is like uh, a mismatch between expectation and what is actually possible. Um, and it's that thing of, if we had the money, we could do this. Yeah. But we need the money in the first place do you know what I mean? It's that like chicken and egg thing, isn't it? It's like, well, what has to come first? We want to put this on, but we also need to pay people to organise that first before we can put that on. Do you know what I mean? So it is, yeah. So what do you know now that you wish someone had told you when you started? Oh, oh my gosh. That to be braver... I think to really go for it um, and it's okay that things go wrong <laughs> it's okay that things look terrible but it's okay and it's all right and ride that wave 
Yeah. Be brave. Ride the wave. And um, but do you have to be clear about why you're doing this? Oh, God, yeah. I mean, I think we spoke before. We're, and I've told people this since we've spoken, that um, I either feel like, Lauren, you can either continue to be in it or you can, you know, get out of here and move to Hawaii and teach yoga on the beach. And I think you said, Lauren, you're already in it. Yeah. Like, and I didn't, That's that really changed my point of view. Because I'm like, yeah, I am in it. So I might as well just keep going in it and be full throttle with it. Yeah. Yeah. Especially like, I feel like I'm trying to be in it. No, I'm in it. Like, and I think it's that that language we use of, you know, emerging, established, you know, whatever. I would class myself as emerging. But people are like, Lauren, no, you're in it. Like you're doing the thing. What what are you emerging from? Just keep keep rolling. Brilliant. Yeah. Well that, that's great. Well, thank thank you very much, Lauren. I found that a fascinating conversation. And uh Good luck with Anansi and, and and your clowning, and I hope you don't end up on a on a beach in Hawaii teaching oh. yoga. Oh, Keith, thank you. This has been fab. Thank you so much. Brilliant. Thank you. Actually, I wouldn't mind lying on a beach in Hawaii, uh, but I thought that was a fascinating conversation. There's a huge amount to reflect upon there. Lauren raises many difficult issues which a cultural sector still, after all this time, has yet to get the grips with. You can find out more about Anansi Theatre at anansitheatre.co.uk. If you'd like to be a guest on this show, you can find me, Keith Jeffrey, on LinkedIn. If you'd like to join the Facebook group, simply search for It's Not Just Me, Is It? and join up. It's free. If you'd like to have a conversation about coaching or leadership development, again, you can find me on LinkedIn. I'm very active there. Many thanks for listening. See you next time.